You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. It's great to see you guys today, and welcome those that are watching online as well, all over the world, actually. It's good to have you with us, and uh, we're launching a new series, just a three-part series to kind of end our summer and begin our fall, and I'm super excited about that, and I love how we ended worship today with that song. I don't know if you, some of you are familiar with that. It's an oldie but a goodie, uh, Lord, give you my heart, and I, I just think that is an anthem for this series, actually, for the prayer for all of us to say, Lord, have your way in me. That we, of all the other ways that exist around us, we'll talk about that through this series of the the cultural trends and currents that are happening all around us, that we would be led by the current of the Holy Spirit in our day. And uh, that's our prayer. You know, there's this idea uh, in the Bible that has caused um, some Christians to either be against the world or separate from the world. And it's this, it can be summed up in this phrase, be in the world, but not of it. Be in the world, but not of it. That phrase is actually not in the Bible, by the way, but the idea of it is. It's quite prevalent, actually. Um, In John chapter 15, Jesus said that we are not of this world. Um, And then in John 17, he prayed for Christians. He prayed for his followers that God would not take us out of the world. And so you put that kind of together. You can, in other words, we are in this world, but not of this world. Um, and so the next three weeks, we're going to talk about that phrase and what it really means and how we apply it. And, I, and we want to look at it from a different angle than what you're probably used to kind of thinking about that idea of being in the world, but not of it. It's a, it's a different angle that I think will help us know how to actually live it uh, in, in a consistent way with the word of God and with the life of Christ. And so we want to answer this question. And if you're taking notes, maybe write this one down to be in the world and of Christ to be in the world and of Christ. It's probably a better way to say what the Bible's trying to get at when it talks about this concept. Now, we all know that we are rooted in this world. There's no way of getting around it. You, you can even go like join a, join a convent somewhere and you will still be rooted in this world. Um, my sister loves the, the, in Pennsylvania, what's the group of people in Pennsylvania that... The Amish, thank you for that. I, 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 helpful, that's helpful. Yeah, she loves the Amish. And, uh, and as much as they try to separate themselves from the world, they're still in the world. We're all rooted in the, in, in the ground in which we live. It's, it's impossible not to be. We, we live here, we work here, we love here, we drive in traffic here, we shop in grocery stores here, we take our kids to school here, we stop at our favorite coffee shops here, we put up with our annoying neighbors here, which is probably some of you. Uh, we mow our lawn here. This is, we are rooted in this world. And, then, and we are planted here. And I believe that God is growing something here. In, in, in this ground, wherever you're at watching this, whatever, wherever you live, this is the ground that God has put you and he's placed you here and he wants to grow something here. And we are also of Christ. And this is super important. That it, what this means is that if we're drenched in Christ, in his way, um, in his presence, the lives that we grow here will look something like Christ. The convergence, the intersection of in Central Oregon and of Christ should happen in our time. However, I think our tendency is sometimes we lean towards one of these two concepts or the other. To either be rooted in this world at the expense of being in Christ or to be so in Christ and not rooted at all in this world. 
See, to be rooted in the world and, and, and not in Christ means that we've adopted the way of this world without question. We've just embraced it. Um, and most of us probably don't even realize it. You know, the frog in the kettle kind of thing. We just wake up, we, just, we think like the, 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 this world. We take on its value system. Um, and we don't even know it's happening. That's why it's so important for the people of God to be, to be in Christ while living in the world. But some of us are rooted in Christ at the expense of the world. We don't, we're not rooted at all. And have you ever heard the phrase, so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good? It's this idea. And people that are rooted in Christ and not rooted in, this, in the ground of this world are just simply weird. They're just weird people. You just look at them and go like, you're not normal. And, and, and so there's this, there's, this, there's this tension that we live in as Christ followers to be in the world, rooted in the ground that God has planted us in, but to be in Christ, to be of Christ, um, that, we, that we, we are guided by his value system. We think the way that he thinks. Um, we, yes, we know the Bible, but we also know how to live it here and now in the trenches. Um, in my study for this message, I came across an analogy. It's a common analogy that describes this idea. And I'm going to geek out a little bit on you for a moment because that's what I do sometimes. Don't worry, it's not about the Lord of the Rings. It is the Gulf Stream. I, I found the Gulf Stream. I was like, it was very interested at, as, I, as I began to study that. I was like, wow, that really relates to this message. And, um, and so if you don't know, if you uh, can't remember fifth grade, because none of us are smart as a fifth grader, um, when we learned about this, the Gulf Stream is an ocean current that brings warm water from the Gulf of Mexico uh, into the Atlantic Ocean all the way up past Norway. So it's this, it's this current. It's like a river uh, in the middle of the ocean. And did you know that, um, that, that, that it brings this amount of water um, from Mexico all the way up through it? Four billion cubic feet of water per second. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh my goodness. Couldn't believe it. And um, some of you are Googling that right now because that can't be right. Go ahead, Google it, and you'll see. It's amazing, and it goes about, average about four miles per hour, um, so it moves pretty good, at, and, and it's, it's just a river that brings this uh, warm water, and, and then it gets up to, to the northern hemisphere, and then, and then the cold water is pushed down and then pushed um, south, uh, and just kind of has this revolving, it's amazing. It's like a climate control system for the Atlantic. What happens um, interestingly enough, at least to me, and from looks on your faces only to me, is, <laughs> is that, is that um, it, like, take England's weather, for example. So, so England's on just off the coast of the Gulf Stream, and it's located about the same latitude as, uh, as Canada, and, um, and where Canada during the winter gets deathly cold, England does not, even though it's at the same latitude on our planet. And the reason is, the Gulf Stream. Thank you for that one wow. Exactly. Jeez. It's not easy to find a metaphor in messages. I'm just telling you, it's not easy. <laughs> well, okay, so let me bring this, kind of apply it. Hopefully you're already seeing the application. But just as this river exists in the ocean, it behaves differently than the waters around it. It has a distinct purpose that's different from all the other waters around it. In the same way, Christians, we live in this world. We're part of it. We can't escape it, nor I think we should want to. But we behave differently than the rest of the world. And we have a distinct purpose 
different from the rest of the world. I love how Luke describes the purpose of Jesus in, in, uh, in this world. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and I've read this a bunch of times over the years because I, I feel like it's the, it's the, it's the North Star uh, for the people of God as we think about becoming like Jesus. And this was what Jesus said was his purpose. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then what Luke does is that he, he takes, he kind of launches from this point and, and tells a story after story after story in the book of Luke, in his, in his book, that describes how Jesus brought good news to the poor how he uh, proclaimed that captives would be released, how he set people free, how, how he um, helped the blind to see story after story. And I, I just put a few examples. What I did is I went through, I went through the rest of the book of Luke and my Bible has ch- uh, section headings. And so I just wrote some section headings for you and you'll see them up on the screen. And I'm not gonna read them all. You can read through them, but this is how Jesus lived in this world how he was planted in the soil of his day. This is what, these are the things that he did. Where Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, the Bible says, Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. His Gulf Stream. He, he, where doctors give, give certain diagnosis, Jesus came to heal our diseases. Where the world highlights all the negative, Jesus came preaching good news. Where the flow of the world tells us to hate our enemies, Jesus' flow tells us to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. See, where the world tells us to love only those who deserve it, Jesus came and loved the whole world. It's a different way than the way of the world. And it just goes on and on like this throughout the Gospels. The world is pushing us, pulling us to follow their way, to think like them, to do what they would do. And Jesus is calling us into another way, a Gulf Stream way that brings life and healing and wholeness and health and vitality and optimism to this world that changes the climate around us. And the last thing that Jesus did before he left earth was to give us his Holy Spirit, to empower us to do what he did, to to live like him, to be of Christ in this world. See, rather than standing against the world or running from it, Jesus calls us to live in it like he lived in it. To live in Bend and Central Oregon or Kenya or Atlanta or wherever you're at listening to this, wherever you are, and to live of Christ. It's living by another set of values and living out a different purpose. See, we're in this ocean and we don't have to try to get out of this ocean. We just need to live like Christ in this ocean because Christ's current defies the Atlantic. It defies the way of the world. It ignores its tides. It flows steadily upon its own course. The way of Jesus is a deeper blue, a warmer temperature than the rest of the sea. Its direction is different. Its flow is different. It's, it's yes, in the ocean, but it's not of it. 
Now it can be tense um, and to try to navigate living of Christ while living in the world. We, you know, we, what, what happens is that we, it's hard to tie the two strings of loving God and loving our neighbor together sometimes. And that, that's part of why we gather together is to learn how to do that in community and with one another. But it's, sometimes it's hard to figure this out. I, years ago, I worked in a church um, with an unhealthy, it had an unhealthy work culture for the staff and people were used for what they could um, do for the church rather than just loved as part of the church. They were like cogs in the wheel kind of thing and, and they were undervalued and underappreciated. And I happened to be a department leader at that time in this church and, and, uh, and I was kind of unhappy with the way the church was being ran, but what can I do, you know? I'm just, a, I'm just another cog in the wheel. And a mentor of mine set me down and sharing with him my frustrations. I might've been whining just a little bit and he told me, well, is anybody stopping you from changing the culture in your department? And I was like, well, never thought about that. And he said, well, why don't you try that? Why don't you, why don't you change just the little sphere of the workplace that you, that you have some say in, that you have some control over? Why don't you just change the environment in, in the places that you can actually change and then leave the rest up to God? So that's what I did. But isn't it funny? Sometimes we get so frustrated with our world or with our job or with our schools or with our government and, and the way they function and we yell at the top of our lungs, especially on social media, how bad it is. But then we do very little, if anything, to actually change it. I'm, I'm just I'm kind of super tired of the constant barrage of how everything is wrong in our world. And I'm just wondering if those of us who call Westside Church kind of their home church, could we decide enough with the negative megaphones blasting doom and gloom upon everyone out there and instead get to the business of serving the world? Get to the business of doing what Jesus did the way Jesus did it. And we don't, need to, we don't need to talk about how bad the world is. We just need to go in there with the life and love of Jesus and do something about it and help bring a different current, a different way, to engage in the, in the purpose of Jesus, to heal, to restore, to set free those who are bound. A longtime Westsider um, emailed me, excuse me, emailed me a couple weeks ago. Longtime Westsider, been here for 20 plus years, and he didn't know we were launching this series, um, and, and yet he wrote something that I think is really appropriate for today's message, and this is what he, he wrote. As Christians, we are in the world, but can't let the world dictate how we think and believe. I believe things are not going to get better on this side of heaven, no matter what political party or leader is in charge. Our job as Christians is not to change the government, but to change people one at a time by preaching the gospel of repentance followed by a changed life with Jesus at the center of it. See, we engage with the work of Jesus in our world, to the stranger and to the widow, to the orphan, to the least of these, to the hopeless, the hurting, to the lonely, to the poor. See, Jesus just didn't watch or talk or ask questions. He acted, he engaged, he held kids and fed hungry people and, and forgave the sinners. He healed those who were broken. He met people at the most important junctures of their lives and with real help. He walked the road to the cross. He gave us his spirit to empower us. I love John chapter seven. I've read it many times here over the last many years and I'm gonna read it again. 
Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to us and I love how he expresses it in John 7, 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival. So there's this festival going on. It's this big gathering of people in Jerusalem. People from all over the region have showed up. And there's this, there's, what they did at this festival was that the priests would carry a jar of water all the way up to the temple and then pour it down. And right in this kind of this, this processional, Jesus stands up and shouts to the crowd that had gathered. Just imagine that. He like interrupts the processional. And he, said, and he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. He's either crazy or he's got the real stuff. And he says, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. He had not yet returned to the father. And when he did, he sent his Holy Spirit to his followers and they changed the world. They turned the world upside down. It was drastically different than the culture of the day, the way that they cared for the poor and the way that they loved the least and the way that they, they accepted and embraced the sinner. And listen, it was a, just a different way because of the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through them. People were healed and restored. Isaiah chapter 41, Jesus um, fulfills this prophecy from thousands of years before where the prophet says, um, God says through the prophet, I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus or the high desert, one might say. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. Oh, that would be, oh, if that would be true in our day, in our cities, in this region. See, you are springs of living water. There is a current flowing through your life right now. And, it should, and it's different from the current around you. It's different from the way the world thinks. You have a purpose. Before we finish today, we're actually not gonna go back into a song. We're going to take some moments to personally, refle personally reflect on the purpose that God has for you. Your, the uniqueness of what God wants to do through your life individually. Um, and how that looks and what does that look like. And so what I want you to do is I want you to take, get something that you can write on. Most of you have your cell phones and grab the notes app from that or maybe you have a pen and a paper with you. And I just want you to, I'm gonna put some questions on the screen and we're just gonna take a few moments and we're, we're gonna just slow down and really reflect on what is God asking of me? What does it look like for me to be part of this current part of this river in the midst of the oceans that we live in? What does it look like for me and my part in God's purposes? And so here's a, here's a, a few questions that you can, um, and, and maybe you just want to take a screenshot as well. You can think about this later also, but of these questions, here's the first one. What do you love and what do you hate? <laughs> you might think, well, that's an odd question. No, it really is. This will really help you narrow your focus of like, what gets you going? one way or the other. What really makes you just, makes your heart beat? What are the things that, maybe the stories that you hear that just draw something out of you, good or bad? Just things that just like, really just get you going. What are those things? What do you love and what do you hate? 
put a couple thoughts there, just of things. And we're gonna just kind of keep narrowing this down. Just second question, if you could solve one problem in our world, what would it be? Just think of any, any problem that you just, man, this problem, I would, if I could do it, if I could do something about this one thing, I would do it. It can be in your city. It can be in your neighborhood. It can be um, in your school or your government. It can be in your nation. It can be in the world. However, however narrow or broad you wanted this to be. But if you could solve one problem in your world, what would it be? And then what are your specific gifts? You're like, I have no idea. <laughs> what are you good at? What, what, when you put your hands to something and it just it makes sense to you and what, the, and the, and, and what, produce, what comes out of you whenever you're, it's fruit, you know? Maybe it's writing or maybe it's um, talking or maybe it's, it's serving or maybe it's helping someone. Maybe you're just really good at helping people or, or you know, maybe it's, maybe it's parenting. I mean, what, what, what are you good at? What are some gifts that, maybe it's leadership. Maybe God's gifted you with leadership. Or what, what, are, what are the gifts of God that he's put into your life? What are some things that you can say, you know, I, I may not be good at everything, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm good at this. What might that be? Then the last question is, just ask yourself, am I using any of those things that I'm good at in unproductive ways? The, am I putting any energy or focus on what I'm actually good at? Is it, is it moving in the current of what God wants to do or is it my own current? Is it the things that I want to say or I want to do, but it's not really in the current of what God wants me to do? Ask yourself, am I using the gifts that God has given me in in an unproductive way. So I want you to reflect on these questions this week and talk about it in, in, in your community groups or with friends or family and just kind of dig into this a little bit more this week. What do you love or what do you hate? If you could solve one thing in the world, what would it be? What are your gifts? What are you good at and are you using any of those in unproductive ways? Well, I want to finish up with telling you a story. Have I talked about my puppy yet? much in church you know don't worry I don't have any grandkids yet but once that happens they will be the 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 stories I tell at that point but I have a dog we just got him a year ago his name is Bilbo Baggins um he's a filled bread cocker spaniel and um we got him uh, just over a year ago and I tell you he's brought us a lot of joy he gets my wife and I out of the house um and at our age that's a good thing and uh You'll see why I named him Bilbo in just a moment, because um, I'm going to read from The Hobbit, um, one of Tolkien's greatest works. And um, let me set it up for you a little bit, with the, the, what I'm going to read. Bilbo, um, the main character in the story, had allowed life to rob him of a sense of, of adventure. He's, he's satisfied with the status quo. It's just... He didn't want any, he didn't want any changes. He didn't want anything. He just, he was just like, just let me, just let life be the way life is. You know, I don't want any adventures. And this guy Gandalf comes into his life and gives him the opportunity for an adventure. And this is what Tolkien wrote about Bilbo. This hobbit was a very well-to-do hobbit and his name 
was Baggins. And the Bagginsons had lived in the neighborhood of the hill for time out of mind. And people considered them very respectable. Not only because most of them were rich, but also because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. You could tell what a Baggins would say on any question without the bother of asking him. This is a story of how a Baggins had an adventure and found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. He may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained. Well, you will see whether he gained anything in the end. I'm tired of being respectable. I'm tired of going with the flow. I'm tired of just letting my life look just like the world and just doing what everybody else does. I want to see the lame walk and the blind see. I want to see the move of God in my time and through my life and your life. So I'm asking you to join me in an adventure of letting the life of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit flow through us today and tomorrow. Let it, let it guide our steps. Let it be the flow of the current of our lives, be directed in the way of Jesus. To pray for the sick and expect them to be made well. To offer freedom for those who are oppressed. And to see them come walk out of their addictions and into new life in Christ. I want to have an adventure with you all. To do things quite unexpected. That we would say things like, did I just say that? To allow God to do things that make us, did that just happen? Because God wants to move through his church in this day like he did in that day. And so Jesus, we offer our lives to you. Would you help us to be caught up in the flow of your Holy Spirit? Help us to be caught up in the flow of your goodness and your works and your truth and your grace. Help us to be caught up in your movement in this world. Help us, Jesus, to be firmly planted in the, in the ground in which you have placed us and help your life and your love flow through us in unexpected and glorious ways for your name's sake. And Lord, we take a moment as all of our hearts are drawn towards the people in Afghanistan and Louisiana right now, Jesus. Those that are in harm's way, Lord, we pray for protection. We pray, Jesus, as you commanded the storm on the Sea of Galilee to be gone, to be stilled, we pray that over the storm coming over Louisiana right now, Jesus, that you would calm it, that you would move it away from populated centers. Jesus, that you would protect people. Those in Afghanistan, Lord, we ask that you would sovereignly move on their behalf. Lord, we love you and we know, Jesus, that though we can't answer all the questions of why things happen in this world the way that they happen, Jesus, we know what we can control and that's our response to the move of your spirit. It's to respond to the invitation that you give us to say yes 
to the flow of your Holy Spirit through our lives to invite your work. And Lord, we don't even know what all that means on the, on the backside of this, Jesus. We just know we want your Holy Spirit. We need your presence in this time, in this city, in this region, in this nation, in this world, Jesus. We need your Spirit. So would you lead your people and guide us to be warm waters for those who are hurting and in need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.